Sport Calgary conducts research into sports issues in our city. Did you know that the gross municipal amateur sport product in Calgary is over $1.2 billion per year? Visit www.sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Hey kids, uh, welcome to the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary. I'm your friend Rob Kerr. Uh, I consider us friends. I know it's maybe a little soon for you, but I'm certainly there. Wishing you uh, nothing but safe and happy uh, and, you know, productive times at home or wherever we find you. Um, again, if you are coming off the end of a very long shift at a medical facility or a hospital, uh, my God, I don't even know where to start to thank you. Uh, if you are a doctor, a nurse, a medical practitioner, a, a policeman working at a grocery store, um, you know, everybody's thrown out that term hero, but you guys are. Um, you need to know how much it means to us uh, what you're doing. So I just wanted to, to start there. Um, I'll start this podcast like I have with every single one to this point. Uh, full disclosure, our guest is a friend of mine. Uh, our guest is somebody that I work with. Uh, our guest is somebody I have a, uh, a deep appreciation for the work that he does. Um, today, we are going to focus on grassroots hockey. We are going to spend some time talking to uh, the executive director of Hockey Calgary, and that would be one, Kevin Kabelka. Now, Kevin and I have worked on many projects together, um, and we'll get into that a little bit in this conversation. Um, I would suggest to you, of my friends, Kevin is the one that... Um, well, he, he gets beat up quite a bit, uh, you know, not to single out hockey parents, but, you know, people get real passionate about their kids' sports, and uh, they, they tend to get a hold of Kevin at times and, and you know, uh, vent. But that happens, right? Like, okay. Uh, but I think what I want to do in this conversation is just peel back a little bit on the guy, uh, take the curtain back a little bit on the inner workings of, of Hockey Calgary. Uh, not my intention to uh, sway anybody. In any, and none of these conversations are about, you know, politics or changing your life or anything. They're just about introducing you to people that through sport you might become adjacent to, you might have heard of, you might know, or maybe you're going to run into and just let them tell their story a little bit. And I'm really excited about the story that we're going to tell today with Mr. Kabelka uh, from Hockey Calgary. By the way, Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Becoming a member is easy and free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. It is the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary. I'm Rob Kerr, and the next guy we're going to hear from, he happens to be the head of Hockey Calgary, Kevin Kabelka. It's only an audio podcast, but I love looking at the guy and whoever I'm talking to because it's a better interview that way, right? Oh. I, may I just say, I am very impressed with the backdrop for your Skype call. Do you like the backdrop? That's I, actually my, let's see, that's the, when I coached Team Alberta. Okay. Uh, Team Pacific. Yeah. And there's player pictures of my kid. Oh, look, there was. I was a coach once upon a time, too. Well, and that might come up in this conversation. But what I'm really, so I'm looking up, that's a Vancouver 2010 uh, torch, correct? That is, I got to run the torch, too. And it, it looks like it's burnt at the end. I've but never I, seen one that looks like it's burnt at the end. I was running fast, man. It was, yeah, the, planes yeah. fly, the planes were flying when I was running there. <laughs> 
I ran out by I ran out by Drumheller, so I was being traced by dragons and and uh, those are di- those are dinosaurs, dinosaurs dragons, dinosaurs. You know, <laughs> may I suggest during this free time you may want to learn the difference. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> uh, how are you holding up here? How how are you making out here? Uh, doing doing pretty good so far. I mean, it's uh, it's different times, but we're we're making do and uh, spending a little more family time. Well, that's that's never a bad thing, or is it? <laughs> is it caught up to you yet? <laughs> well, I think my wife and I are okay. I don't know if my kids like us that much, but uh, no, we're so far so good. We're we're making well, doing well. Kev, when did this? Uh, let's just, by the way, just talk about it from a hockey Calgary perspective. When uh, when something like this happens with no playbook how how challenging were the last couple of weeks for you and your executive well you know again you're starting to hear things moving towards north america and we were starting to think about a a few things and where are we going to get our season in you know i'll be real honest rob we're probably in a better spot than most of the minor sport organizations that are kicking off their seasons Uh, we we only really had five days left in our city championship round and then know a couple season end tournaments and some provincials so you know on the grand scheme of things we were closer to finish we had to make some tough decisions and we were making them prior to the announcement from hockey canada whether we we canceled our timbit jamboree which was a tough one and then the next day hockey canada closed down so uh you're kind you're kind of going with a bit of a wing and a prayer and you're doing the best you can and not every decision you make uh, pleases everybody, but you got to look at public safety, number one. Well, okay, not every decision pleases everybody is just a normal fact of life for you. Um, just if you don't mind, when did this get on your radar, Kev? Not not to look backwards, but, you know, when did you think this, you know, for me it was, well, you know, we're going to take some steps, we might get the playoff games in, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. Obviously, that game in in Utah and the NBA and then the NBA shutting down changed the world a couple of weeks ago. But for you as somebody, you know, that in your position, when were you kind of aware what was going on globally? Well, I I think we'd heard some of the things, you know, probably about a month ago. But I think probably two weeks prior to the 13th, probably early March, I guess, you know, around the 3rd, 4th, 5th there, we're starting to go, gee, this is coming, this could affect us. So we start thinking about a few things. And and as you said, the the basketball game in Utah and the, the rumors of some of the players starting to get it, I think that really, you know, jumped it up another step and put it on the on the radar and then for us knowing what we had on that weekend coming up like i said we had our timbit jamboree which is our a major event and thousands of kids and 90 i think it was 98 teams were supposed to play that weekend um you know and it's more than just a hockey event it's a it's a festival so when we started looking at that we're going gee that's a major event for us and do we have to take some precautionary measures before we go forward can you explain, and, and trust me, we're going to tell some stories and have some fun, but I just want to deal with kind of the, the serious stuff off the top. Where do you fit in Hockey Calgary in terms of the decision-making chain? You'd mentioned Hockey Canada, but there's also Hockey Alberta. Where does Hockey Calgary fit in that chain, and how did that chain operate in this situation? Well, we're the local minor hockey association as Calgary, so um, we technically you know, take direction from Hockey Alberta, which takes directions from Hockey Canada. Uh, we were, you know, in conversations with Hockey Alberta, waiting um, to see what decisions they would be making, and they were waiting for Hockey Canada. We ourselves at Hockey Calgary um, on the 12th um, made the decision, as I said, to cancel the Jamboree. 
um, because at that time they were allowing um, events of up to 250 people. And so uh, we felt that one was over the 250 and we wanted to play it safe. Uh, we did permit our games to go that night on the 12th because, you know, most of the games were, you know, there's probably 100, 150 people um, in the arena, um, quite small at that time. So we made that decision. And then the decision from uh, Hockey Canada came late that night, and then we moved quickly to communicate to our to our members what was going on. You also made the decision here uh, recently, a week ago or so, uh, to award your championships, your champions. Um, yes, we did. And and I got to be honest with you, I you and I talked about it, and I thought, well, you know, people like to complain. I've heard a lot of positives. I really have. I've heard from a lot of people who thought, hey, good, you know, get back to the basics here. Here's a winner. Um, there's some conclusion to this. Um, can you just talk about that decision and, and your perspective on it? Well, as with all decisions, it's a very, it's a tough one. And we looked at our whole program and we looked down. So uh, basically we had 47 divisions of play in our community hockey stream. And in the 47, and the way our playoffs work, it's a true double knockout program. So um, if you win your games all the way up the, the A side, you get to the A final having not lost a game. And we were fortunate, I guess, at that point in time to have 44 of the 47 teams um, or divisions had some a team make it to the A final that was sitting there waiting for the playdowns on the B side of the bracket to get done. And then we had three divisions that still had two A side champions. So when we looked at it, we really it became a, a single knockout tournament. We said, gee, if we make it a single knockout tournament, those 44 didn't lose a game. And they will be rewarded the, the, the title. And the three that uh, were still being contested that hadn't lost a game, we would make those co-champions. And unfortunately, the others that were still coming up the B-side, although uh, we want to applaud their success, uh, at this point in time, there was nothing else we could do. And we felt it was the right decision um, to get them out and, and give them a little conclusion to the season to celebrate uh, their successes and, you know, we still have a lot of, you know, hats and medals to give out too. Uh, um, so we wanted to get those out and we're still looking at a way to get that stuff out to our members. We'll probably uh, figure something out here in the next week or so. What about in the, in the short term for Hockey Calgary? Um, you know, you were a couple of days away from the end of your season with everything that's going on. And I'm assuming you're working from home and your staff's working from home. How much of this is an impediment, or is it just you have to adapt to do your off-season planning now? Yeah, you know, like I said, we're, we're fortunate that we're starting to move into our, our planning stage of our season. Uh, the big events that we had coming up here in the, you know, aside from the provincial championships that won't be going, we're starting to, you know, get into our awards ceremonies, our, our golf tournament, our things like that, the things that we do in the off-season, as well as our overall planning for the 2020 2021 season we will continue to do that we will uh, work towards uh, right now our plan is and the direction that um, i've given to the board and we've talked a little bit is we'll plan right now on the 2021 season going forward and kicking off um, in early september as it always does um, that's could change we'll wait and see what happens uh, over the next month or so but i think we have we're fortunate enough to have a window um, probably till you know end of may to make a decision and then then we'll have to make some, you know, I guess, decisions at that point in time. So, uh, but we're going forward like that. We'll continue to plan. It's a little bit quieter, I'll be honest. So, um, you know, maybe able to get a few more things done. And some of those projects that have been sitting on the back burner, 
that you've been trying to get at, you'll uh, get at to a little more quicker. Where are we at right now, Kev? I mean, when when I lived in the other world and I would, you know, you and I'd have a conversation or we'd, you know, we'd do an interview, I, I would always ask you, give me the State of the Union, but, you know, what, as we sit here in 2020, since you've taken over to now, where, where is Hockey Calgary situated? Where is the game in our city situated? Well, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm proud, I guess, a little bit in the, in the six years I've been here, we've made a number of changes to our program. Um, we, five years ago, you were part of it. Uh, we did a Hockey Calgary Summit where we, we asked a bunch of questions and we got challenged to, to make some changes. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we have made a number of changes. We've introduced non-body checking leagues. We've created a house league program around the city. Um, we, you know, moved to more regional play, north-south, um, less tiers. You know, we, we've done a bunch of things that I think are, are great for the game. First shift, we've continued to grow the first shift program and get new Canadians and, you know, pa- partnered with Kids Sport and with Commerce Sports Equipment Bank to, you know, to get those people that don't have the financial needs in the game. So those are some of the things I'm, I'm proud of as an organization. Uh, we just had another uh, summit here uh, a couple months ago and, you know, now you're five years down the road and it's time to start looking back and saying, okay, what's next? And the, the landscape's changed in, in the hockey world. There's uh, more competition out there. There's um, um, programs that are not underneath the Hockey Canada umbrella that are operating and, and people are choosing to go to those. And, and that's up to to those customers and those members to choose those. But we as a minor hockey association need to say to look at our program and go, are we doing the right thing? Are we offering the program that those customers want? And uh, those are things we're looking at. And, you know, we're looking at a few changes as we do every year um, for next season. And we want to continue to grow the game. Uh, This year was the first year we had a small decline in our numbers. So I can say the last five years, we'd always had moderate gains. Uh, This year uh, was, uh, we were down about 1%. So uh, when you look at that, you go, gee, you better make sure you're, uh, doing the right things to, to get kids playing. Well, you're still, though, are you not kind of bucking the, the national trend? That, you know, Calgary has been one of those few places in the country where the growth, at least for the last couple of years, had been there, right? Yeah, we're, we're probably a little ahead of most. You know, I guess each area and each community has um, you know different demographics and different growth patterns, but I would say we're probably a little bit ahead of the country in general, but still not as far ahead as I'd like to be. What's, you know, what's moving the, the needle here? I mean, hockey's an interesting thing because it's so ingrained in this community and we all have our very strong opinions. And when I mean the community, I mean the country as a whole. Is is the game changing, Kev, or is society changing? Which is the bigger driver right now in the sport? I, I'd probably say it's, it, it's a bit of both. I think um, the game is changing. I mean, let's be honest, the game, when you go back and you're seeing a lot right now you on, on the sports channels, you're seeing the games from the 80s and the 90s, and you're looking back and watching that and go, wow, uh, look at the speed, look at the equipment, look at the different things. So the game has changed a lot and how it's taught better, coached better, um, professionalized at a younger level. So I think all those things um, have changed the game um, for the most part for the good. I think it, it is safer, um, but, you know, it's also society. It's, it's what we want from from our youth programs and youth sporting programs. And uh, sometimes, you know, we get caught in there's too much structure. And we continue to look at that going, gee, should we let kids be kids? Should we have more unstructured play? Uh, are, are we doing the right thing? And we're caught in that um, in between, I guess, where we want to offer programs 
that our customers need, but you also got to be cognizant of, you know, what do the kids want? You know, what, what do they do? And, and, and are we, are we professionalizing them or structuring them too much at too young a level? And I'm not saying I have all the answers for no. that question yet, but uh, it's something we got to continue but, to work on. But your house league program has been an interesting study for me because your house league program is one that has said, look, we understand and respect that the kids have other things to do. Here's a practice. Here's a game. Same time, same place. There's some rigidity to that. And and it has been the one area of growth for Hockey Calgary, right? Yeah, it has been. And, and again, it's our, our Flames Community Host League program. I want to give a shout out to the Flames yep. for being their sponsor. But uh, uh, it, they've been a great partner in supporting us in this. And um, we have had a growth in that area. And we want to continue to try and expand that group as well. Um, one of the things we're really seeing is people want more structured schedules. And we'd like to do more of that in our community program too. It's just when you have 15,000 kids and, you know, over 900 teams, not everybody can practice at five o'clock um, on you know Monday to Friday and not everybody can play that nice, you know, 11 to two o'clock game on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, structure is nice, but um, size um, creates difficulties and, and where your ice is and different things like that. So uh, we are looking at some of those options and uh, hopefully we will be able to uh, meet our customers' needs in that area. You mentioned uh, Bauer First Shift. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about this growing up in the era, eras that you and I grew up in, but we now have to recruit, don't we? Like the, the, the day of hockey just standing alone and waiting for people to come in and participate, those days are gone. Yeah, and that's part of the thing we're looking at this year as we're building our business plans and building um, out, you know, our budgets for next year is do we put a little bit more marketing? Do we um, target and, and and put some advertising on radio, TV, billboards, whatever? Uh, we haven't had to do a lot of that. You're correct. You know, people have been coming to us, but with the competitive world out there, with the, the changing landscape, um, the demographics, with an amount of new Canadians that, you know, maybe – aren't as exposed to hockey at a younger age, we need to do things differently. And those are things we're definitely, um, you know, have on our radar for the upcoming season. I sound like I'm interviewing you. I don't want to interview you. I just, I mean, I'm <laughs> looking for a state of the, but it, it, we, you and I really, the podcast we ought to do are the ones that you and I have, you know, every couple times a week we check in. And I mean, we have this passion for this game and it's, it's hard right now to make everybody happy. Isn't it, Kev? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, I think that comes with the territory. Um, I think you have to be, you know, convicted in your decisions. You have to get good rationale for why you're doing them. And um, you're going to get challenged. I think change is difficult. And uh, I'm a believer that you need to be changing to continue to grow and to do the right things. And if you're you're not looking at your program, um, you're quickly can fall behind. So uh, we're looking to do that. We want to want to keep going and, and hopefully we can find program that meets the needs of all of our members. Uh, th- this is my intention is not to do this interview where there's a bunch of gotchas coming out of it, but I do want you to just talk a little bit about the challenge that your staff, which I think is reflective in all sports right now, but there's a change, isn't there? Like, there's more of a demand on, on agencies like yours to, to give, the participant and the family of the participant, what they deem to be satisfaction and what they deem it. it, it you've gone through a bit of a change society in, in society. Have you not in terms of how people view their experience in hockey? I, I don't know if it's changed that much, Rob. I think the ability to communicate the change is so much more out there now. So with the, with communication, with Twitter, with, 
um, Facebook, with um, podcasts, with everything. I think, you know, some of those things might have been there in the past. We just didn't have the communication um, devices to get it out there. Now, everything moves so quick. You know, I'll, I'll even use the example of, you know, shutting down the season um, last week on the 13th. I was barely getting the email from Hockey Canada saying that we are stopped. And I had people, you know, texting me, tweeting me, showing me I'm going... I can't type fast enough to get this message out and the world knows already and I can't even get it out there. So that's a huge change. You know, issues that, you know, people can just blast away right away. As soon as there's something they don't like, boom, that's out there in the universe where in the past, you know, it would take you know, two weeks and by the time they got around to writing that letter, it had died down and things had changed. So um, technology has been great for the organization and great for for the community as a whole, but it also comes with some challenges. What's what's your day to day like, Kev? Outside of what we're going through right now, but in a, a typical, you know, hockey season. And I'm not going to ask you at the beginning because the beginning of the season is a different animal for a guy like you, right? In your position in your role. Well, we have different. I mean, each month of the year is different themes or different things we're focusing on so okay. there's different challenges in, e- in each month so they they all come with different things so at registration you know there's certain challenges certain concerns about boundaries and where people register and what they do at evaluation time there's different concerns there um at seating around time there's different concerns. every every month we have a different area of focus and and things to work on and where our customers are um, happy or or not enjoying the the process? <laughs> is that saying it nicely? Well, it is. I mean, but part and parcel, and I I've kind of tiptoed around it, but I'll ask you directly. It is hard right now to be at the top of an agency that works with children in in the regard that Hockey Calgary does and satisfy everybody. Right? There's there's no way you cannot make a decision. Your counterparts at Calgary Minor Soccer, your counterparts at Basketball Alberta, nobody can make a decision anymore that is universally embraced. Correct? I would say so. I would say that's the you know all minor sports and, and sports in general, and you could probably take that out. I think everybody has an opinion. I mean, it's no different than you know when you vote for the prime minister or the premier things like that you you pick the person you think's best to lead the company in your or the country or the province and not everybody's going to agree with you um you make decisions that you think are best in in sport um you know hopefully you're getting the majority and you've made the right decision and uh unfortunately some aren't gonna you know agree with it but that's life so talk about some of the things that you've wanted to try some of the things you have tried um, and I would give you an example. You and I work uh, closely on a partnership on Leadership Day. And i got to be honest with you, um, as proud as I have been about that event in the three years that we've run it, I'm even more proud of it these days because we're seeing stark reminders every day of what real leadership is and people who don't have it. And to me, that's always been the strength of sport. That's a, a breeding ground, a testing ground, a place that you can learn about leadership, right? Well, Leadership Day is, 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 again, is another event that we've done in the past three years that I, I think has been excellent for our kids. We bring together 800 to 1,000 kids each year, um, focus on different areas of leadership, try and um, work with them. And again, you're exactly right. In times like this, this is where we're hoping that some of those leadership skills and some of the things that we've worked with on those kids are going to come out. Um, it's going to be tough on the kids right now. It's going to be tough mm-hmm. on 
those to, gee, I want to go hang out with my buddies. I want to go play, but they have to be leaders in different ways. So, um, you know, utilizing social media to lead, uh, communicating, being a leader by trying to bring your team together online, I guess, and and, and going out and doing volunteer things where you're not, um, you know, in, in large groups or able in a spot where you can transit, transmit the um, any virus. I think those are the types of things we hope that our kids will be going out and doing, saying, I'm just sitting on their couch and doing nothing for the next, you know, couple of weeks or months or however long we're going to be like this. Um, but, you know, take advantage of some of those soft skills and uh, go out and lead. That's an, another thing you mentioned about that, that I love in hockey that we're maybe not celebrating enough is the volunteer coaches, the parents who do get it and are getting their teams to do things off the ice that better the community. This has always been, I think, part. I think there's always been coaches. I'm sure you played for some. I know I played for some that kind of imparted that. But it seems to me more widespread now. Yes, the Good Deeds Cup, Chevrolet Goods Deed Cup, certainly has promoted that. But it, it seems, and you tell me, that we're getting, again, those soft skills are becoming more prevalent again in sport, which I think is really cool. Well, I think we need to focus on that. I mean, you know, what is sport? I mean, sport's about fitness, getting kids out. It's about learning teamwork skills, it's about learning leadership skills, um, developing all those different things. I think, you know, we're not, I don't believe that parents are putting their kid in any type of sport just to make it to the pros and make millions of dollars. Uh, That's a nice outcome if you can have it. But um, we want to make sure that, you know, we're developing the future leaders and developing good community citizens. And I think we're seeing more and more. And, you know, I'm proud of the volunteer network we have. Um, in hockey Calgary and the coaches that are you know taking on this mantra as well they're seeing some of the things we're doing as an organization and then they're taking it down to the team level and we need those leaders you know, those coaches that are stepping in to be leaders and then they build leaders within their team and I think you go back as as you said we've all had good coaches we all have um, ones we liked and disliked but you always remember the ones that treated well and did things differently it wasn't just about the X's and O's and the wins and the losses, but it was about, um, you know, how they made they feel and some of the things you did in the community um, that was going above and beyond. And um, I hope we can continue to, to share that. Do we take for granted the number of volunteers there are that work for a group like Hockey Calgary? I would say I would say I have a, an amazing volunteer, Naga. We, we probably have, well, when you count coaches, managers, trainers, all the way down, I mean, we probably have, you know, three to 4,000 committed volunteers. I mean, we are based on volunteerism. Um, every coach is not, you know, they're not paid. Um, some, you know, for-profit organizations and other programs, they pay their coaches. There's the odd coach that gets honorariums, but they're out there giving their time um, to, to make the game better. So uh, we do that. And then I have probably a core group of what I call governors and league chairs, um, probably 60 to 70 that spend an inordinate amount of time um, at the rink um, almost, well, not nightly, but at least two or three times a a week. Um, And they are so committed and so passionate about the game and trying to make it better. And uh, I I can't thank them enough for all they do through us for us in the season. Yeah. It's, I I just, you know, I, I, again, asked you the question about, you know, it's, there's lots of challenges, but there's also lots of positives. That That's the one thing that I, I think we have to kind of hedge a little bit is that, yes, there are challenges in, in sport, I, and hockey being one of them, 
But we also need to do a better job of recognizing the positives and, and the reason. As we said, we're going to have to recruit kids. I think there's great value in playing a sport. I think there's a great value in playing multi-sport. Um, and I know we've had that conversation before. It remains a big challenge. There are things to be optimistic about when it comes to the game of hockey. Well, you're you're exactly right. And you know, we we hear and I and unfortunately the everyone wants to talk about the two to three percent issues or concerns in hockey. I think there's there's ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent of good things are coming out. Some of these good digs cup things, some of the things we do in the community, um, all those other things. You know, when you go to the rink and at Essel Minor Hockey Week or Subway City Championships and you see the smiles and the faces and you see the kids out there having fun. That's what makes it all worthwhile. You know, yeah, you're going to get the odd complaint and the odd call, but when you when you go there and, and watch the kids and they're having fun, um, I think it's it it's fantastic. And I wouldn't stay involved in the game if I if I didn't think there was a benefit to it. And uh, you know, we love going and love going to the rink, and, and it's it's a it's a great sport. And I think it develops a lot more than just your athletic ability. All right, with uh, Kevin Kabelka from Hockey uh, Calgary. Going to take just a quick break and remind you, Sport Calgary acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available online at www.sportcalgary.ca. Learn about community and coaching resources, research, jobs, and, of course, the latest in Calgary sport. Um, My assumption is you grew up with the NHL dream. You were going to be a a hockey player. Is 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 my assumption correct? Well, of course, every kid grows up with that dream. <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, some, somewhere along the way, I uh, just wasn't quite good enough, I guess. You got to realize that uh, we all have certain abilities. And I, you know, I got a good long ways away there, but never made it all the way to the top. But you found coaching or did coaching find you? How did that happen? Um, I found coaching. I, I went from playing a player. So I played junior and I played university hockey and I came out of my last year university and started on, a, on my business career. And someone said, Hey, you know, you should get into coaching. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, I knew nothing else, but going to the rink every day after school to practice and going to the rink every day on the weekends to play. So it was a natural transition to me, just keep right on going and go to the rink every day to, to coach. And uh, I fell in love with that and, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed all my time coaching. So how, what was the, the, the introduction to coaching for you then? Did you take a bunch of courses or did you jump in at a high level? What, what was your first coaching gig? Yeah, I, I probably took a little bit different path than most. I started right at a, at a very high level. So my first coaching was at the AAA level, uh, AAA midget as an assistant coach. So I started right with the Calgary Buffaloes as an assistant coach, uh, coming right after playing at the University of Calgary and uh, was assistant coach for a number of years and then slowly moved into the head coaching role and then um, just stayed right in there and, you know, coached at the high level uh, for a number of years with, with that organization. And then I went back to the alma mater and coached as an assistant coach at the University of Calgary uh, for six years as well. Um, and then, you know, family comes and then I started back over with my own son right at the Timbit level and worked my way back through the the coaching realm that way. So a bit different path than most, but uh, enjoyed every minute of it. How hard was it to go from coaching university players to Timbits? That was difficult. Uh, uh, you know, you go, it's, it's a totally different game. You go from, you know, teaching um, older care, older players and structure and systems and, and focusing on finer details to right back down to, all right, I have to teach these five-year-olds how to actually stride and skate now. So, uh, you know, it was a 
eyes wide open when I went back down there and had to start all over and learn a different way. But I think um, in the end, you know, I look back at probably, you know, those skills were probably something I probably should have had when I was coaching at the higher levels too, but uh, made me a better coach in the long run. <laughs> who, was, who was your coach when you were a player at UC? I played for George Kingston. You did, uh, eh? Yeah, I played for George Kingston my last year at UFC. And then I was also there, uh, Willie Desjardins' first year when he took over from George. So I was kind of the in the, the two years of transition um, for, for that program. Two two really great coaches, decorated coaches, both NA, would become NHL coaches. But I can't think of two guys that are probably different, right, in their approach? Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Willie was his first year, so he was, you know, just starting out and uh, a lot definitely different. I think he was bringing, you know, he'd been with George for a couple of years before that. So he brought a lot of the same structure and same systems and, and processes there. I, I think, you know, I probably was only one year with Willie. So I think he's over the years, he's probably changed a lot as sure. far as his coaching program has gone to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, both. Both great guys, though. I mean, George was so technically sound and so knowledgeable. Um, and, you know, you were always learning all the time. He was an educator and a teacher for sure. Was and then Willie Willie was, you know, upbeat and uh, and fun. And, and again, he was a teacher, too. He was, he was working on, you know, the finer details as well. Um, maybe not as structured early on as, as George was. Yeah, and in fairness, probably, you know, George at, at the end of that and, and starting for Willie is not the best place to compare two guys. But I do know that, you know, the, le the stories are legendary of George when he coached the San Jose Sharks about having to be so positive with that really bad club. Like, was he a, was he a positive coach for you? Oh, for sure. We, we were fortunate. We were pretty, uh, you know, pretty solid team that year. I mean, uh, we we lost to the, the Bear Winter Nationals the one year and lost to, uh, oh, Jim dating myself here at York University, I think, in the semifinals and the CIS. And then the next year we lost the Bears uh, as far as getting in the playoffs. I, no, I was a um, in-and-out-of-the-lineup kind of player. So, you know, I had to work for every minute to, to get in the lineup. But uh, it was great uh, working with those two gentlemen and, and learned a lot. And, and that, you know, sets the groundwork to, to be coaches too. You know, I, you know, was something even I'm proud of now is seeing the guys that I coached go on and coach. Yeah, I think that's that's great that uh, you know when I see a lot of those guys now out there and you, you feel proud that they've you know taken on that torch and maybe learned something from you along the way. So recognizing that you know the way you start as a coach isn't necessarily the way you would end as a coach. What kind of coach did you become over time? Well, I think uh, um, you know you start out um, you know you. I come from a a very you know high level uh, high level program, so you start out with the structure with the organization um, that at that level. I think over time I became more skill based. I became probably more a players coach later on in my career than early on. I think when you're a young coach, you have to be firm and have certain boundaries and do different things. So you probably are a little tougher. Um, but it changed over time and then you start coaching your, your child too. And I think, uh, that's always probably one of the toughest, the toughest areas to coach when you have to coach your own, uh, own son coming up. So, uh, I learned a lot there as well. Well, you, and for those who don't know, your son is a junior A player, um, who has uh, actually, I think has had a very interesting junior career in terms of he's been around, like he's, he's played in some different places, right? 
but it's been interesting kind of seeing it through your eyes as somebody who runs the biggest, you run the biggest minor hockey association in Canada, do you not? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. You coached at the CIS level. Uh, you've been involved in international events, but you still can be a dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably the hardest, having to watch you, you know, watch your son. You know, I, I see all these things and I hear about these things every day, but, you know, I live it as well, um, having to watch my son uh, go through it. And, you know, even all the way up from Wee to BAM to Midget, when some years he would make teams and some years he wouldn't make teams. And, you know, he had to fight for everything that uh, he wanted in hockey. And, you know, it's it's love of the game. And, and then he moved on into the junior levels and, you know, he's stayed in the game and, you know, played for a couple of different teams. So, um, you know, a good role player, but not a superstar by any means and has to work for everything that, that he does. And then, you know, you see how those players are treated and moved and um, not always uh, in the best, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, they do it for a reason and, and they're paid to make those decisions. What were the 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 Kevin Kabulka and son ride homes like? <laughs> well, there there's some who's probably better than others, Rob. Like <laughs> you know, like I I do think sometimes uh, being a coach and and having a strong background is good for your child, and sometimes you have a bit too knowledge, and you probably should keep your mouth shut more than you do. And uh, <laughs> um, when we start here, you know, the the car ride home and just. Tell tell your son you love him and you love watching him play. Um, I remember hearing that the first time, and I said, "Yeah, I probably say a little bit too much in the car ride." <laughs> and uh, I learned to, you know, try not to say as much and and keep my thoughts to myself some days. That really kind of hit home when when you re-upped with uh, Respect Group for uh, the training with Sheldon and and Wayne, and and they were talking about. I never realized, I always thought, oh yeah, everybody has that conversation, but that's pretty, that's really one of the most critical pieces of the parent athlete relationship, isn't it? It is. And, uh, and again, it was, you know, it seems so simple and seems something that we should, you know, been able to pick up. But yet when, um, when Sheldon and, and the group were, were talking about it and I'm, and, um, I'm drawing, what's the Wayne, Wayne and all the other group that, um, oh, Gee, sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, talked about it the first time I heard it was at a Hockey Alberta seminar. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and um, the guest speaker there um, spoke about it. And uh, that one kind of really hit home to me and, um, you know, something that we all should focus on. Okay, harder to be a hockey parent or harder to be a parent of a daughter in cheer? <laughs> Cheerleading, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think they're totally different. And then there goes the exact... The exact, uh, I guess, two two polar opposites. I know very little of the the cheerleading world and the competitive cheer. So when I have the ride home with my daughter, I can really only say, "Hey, look great, loved it. Uh, thought you were fantastic. You did everything." Because I don't know the technical ins and outs. Um, <laughs> and then she would tell me all the things that they did right or wrong. Um, whereas in hockey, you know, because you're involved in it day to day and you coach it, you, you know, you can say, or think you can say what was good and what was bad. So I think it uh, really highlights that whole, um, ride home in the car conversation and, uh, and how that goes. Yeah. It's, it's one, cause I, I'm unfortunately, I've never had my daughters in, in hockey, but I had them in dance and, and I tell the story all the time. We used to own a dance studio in my family. Uh, I'm very proud of hockey. 
Very proud of hockey is how I answer that question. Very <laughs> proud of hockey. But that's just one man's journey. Um, yeah. So how does one go from coaching to then running, as we just determined, the largest minor hockey association in Canada? Was that a natural for you or something that, that – did you find that job or did that job find you, Kev? I, I think it was a little bit of both, Rob. I, um, you know, I was working for a number of years. I worked for 20 – three years in the consumer packaged goods industry. So for major organizations like Campbell's Soup, uh, Good Humor Briars Ice Cream, Unilever, and I ended up with Danone Yogurt, was one of the last organizations I worked for. Um, I spent a lot of time traveling and a lot of time on the road. My last role um, was spending two out, of, two out of every four, or three out of every four weeks in Montreal, and I was um, you know, getting tired of that, that trip. And at the same time, I was always volunteering in hockey and coaching and then serving as volunteer on different boards in uh, in Okotoks and in Calgary and, and for Hockey Alberta and different things like that. And then the position in Hockey Calgary came up and someone kind of, hey, this might be something for you. And I looked at it and it was a time I was looking for something different in my career. And to me, it, it was a natural. It's a, it's a, I was always in different leadership roles. Um, I looked at this as no different. It's a leadership role. Um, it's a business. You know, you have to manage people. You have to manage organizations. You have to uh, manage budgets. And, uh, you know, I felt I had the skill set and had the passion. It's something I'm passionate about hockey, something I've always been passionate about. So um, I think it was a, uh, a meeting or mutual, a mutual that uh, I found it and it found me. But, uh, you know, I've enjoyed my six years here at uh, Hockey Calgary and hopefully get back to playing hockey again in the near future. And your family's associated the game, right? Like you, have, your brothers involved. I mean, there's a good connection between the Kabelkas and, and hockey. Yep, my brother is very involved. As uh, you're aware, he's with the Calgary Flames organization as uh, you know the head physiotherapist, head of medical for the Flames, and spends a lot of time at the rink. And and he too, um, different background. He has a you know a medical background or a physio background, um, and he came through. You know, Ski Canada and Hockey Canada and then on to the Flames organization um, where he's been for, for a few years now. And uh, um, so, yeah, we're very involved on on that side. And uh, even my brother-in-law was involved in it at one time. Um, he was doing some he was done doing some work with the Oilers. I won't say that too loudly, but um, he always to work with uh, with Kevin Lowe and the Oilers. Um, a few years back, he's not doing that anymore. But uh, so we've been pretty entrenched in in hockey and sport as a as a family. Yeah, you got a brother in law that people know too, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, no, that's my brother in law. Okay, was but I thought you were. Aren't you related to Babcock? Um, he's my cousin. I'm sorry. What did I say? Brother in law. Sorry, brother-in-law, your yeah, cousin. Yeah. Sorry, your cousin, cousin is Mike Babcock. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I I misspoke. Absolutely. Let's just get the lineage correctly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. To get the lineage correctly. What um, what do you know today about – let's start with your job. What do you know today about your job that you didn't know day one? Well, again, probably the, the first thing that amazed me was the sheer volunteer, the magnitude of volunteerism. I always knew we had volunteers coaching and volunteers doing different things and coming to the rink, but the sheer volunteers from our – disciplined volunteers to our governors to our league chairs to the um to all the different associations and all the different the number of volunteers and number of boards that you know when you start looking at it in the big picture like totally amazed me um and the commitment of those people um and the longevity you know they don't just do it for one year and get out they we have 
volunteer has been longstanding for eight, 10, 20 years that continue to come back and support the game. And I, I, I was just amazed with that. Uh, I knew there was a lot of, lot of people that made it work, but um, the magnitude and the commitment from those people is probably the one thing that shocked me in my first year. If you could go back and change one thing, is there something you would have changed when you got there? I mean, you, you were a coach and you had, you know, kids in hockey. So I, I can't, it's not like you went to a brand new sport or anything like that, but is there something you'd change? Well, I, I think it's not, and it's not so simple as things that I would change. I, I have ideas and different things that I want to do, but I think I don't have the, the magic wand to wave and make changes. I think um, I'm working with all the different organizations and, uh, you know, kind of relying on the, the hockey minds in our community to help me through yeah. those through those processes. So, um, no, I don't think there's one thing. I think you, you kind of chip away I'm, and different projects and you can't, change it all in one shot either you gotta you gotta work what's what's important where we gotta where do we gotta focus and uh and pick away and and uh, as everyone knows i'm the i love the pilot project you know it's kind of like let's go for a year let's test this out let's see where it goes um if it works we'll continue if it doesn't we'll tweak it and we'll find a way so um that's kind of my method uh as far as in invoking change in our program there is a there is a bit of group think in the game Right. And at some level, there's a bit of group. Is it hard to, you know, you went through the pros you mentioned five years ago and then more recently you held another, you know, essentially brainstorming session. You went through, you know, the issues with boundary changes you, you've done. Is it difficult to make change in this sport um, when it's not coming directly from the top where it, it's just you doing it? Oh, I think it's definitely difficult to make change i think that much like we just talked about the one thing about hockey is uh it's the great strength of it is everybody's passionate about it and one of the challenges with it is everybody's passionate about it <laughs> and uh, i go back to my you know business world when i could make decisions on a daily basis of significant dollar value and and no one batted an eye but we make one change in the hockey world where the player's going to wear the green jersey instead of the blue jersey and it becomes a you know a major major event in our city and uh so it's it's challenge and i think as we said everybody knows enough about hockey to be a so-called expert and um so everybody has an opinion on hockey um whether they played it they coached it they've been involved in it they watched on tv they go to the flames games makes them you know an expert so to speak and i i think you need to value everybody's opinions, but they're so spread out across the spectrum that you you have to pick and choose, make make the right decision that you feel comfortable with, and and go forward. What keeps you up at night? Well, I th- I think uh, you know, again, trying to how do we, how do we move forward? How do we make it better? How do we get get kids in the game? Um, how do we meet the needs uh, of our our customers? I I want to and keep it more affordable too i think it's becoming a challenge i guess uh, as far as affordability and we're, we're looking at those types of things too so um we want to grow it and we want uh, kids to have fun and love love coming to the rink would you ever mandate only wood sticks could we ever do that could we just say only wood sticks is there do they make wood sticks yeah i, I think you can find I, I think you can find them where well i i'd say you can go to adrenaline sorcerer sports and buy a wood stick Oh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> Not many of them. Not many of them. 
Yeah, I, I, again, that one's uh, that one's probably outside my realm, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not picking on the manufacturers, but it's it's <laughs> it it's really one of those things that you know you and I can probably and lots of people listening to this podcast can tell stories. I I remember my dad. You remember the old Toys and Wheels store that used to be in malls? They yep. went out they went out of business, and my dad went to the liquidation sale, and they had hockey sticks, these big all star hockey sticks made in China. And he bought me five for five dollars, and I could not break those sticks to kill me. I was the only kid on the ice with an all-star stick, um, but you know, it, I think back to that time and and to now, and you know, it's tough. Like it's you want to do good by the kid, but there's got to be a little bit of I don't well, know, normal normalcy. Right? I grew up playing with the old Titan stick. Sure, you, know, the, the, you couldn't break those no hell. They were like they were like rubber bands. Those things, and right. they had the kind of plastic in along the bottom of the of the blade and uh yeah. i said it i go a whole season with two of those okay so i asked you what keeps you up now what are you most proud of right now um what am i most proud of i'm, I'm proud of the the leadership stuff that we've done i'm proud of uh some of the changes to make the game better such as our you know our Flames community house league uh actually the non-body checking thing is i'm pretty proud of too i think uh that's that's coming you're seeing more and more of that and uh um, you know, at first I had a lot of people think you were crazy, but we're, we're seeing people move to that level of hockey. So, um, you know, proud of being able to meet the needs of, uh, the customer group out there and, and find different things to keep, keep the game. Um, we see our older age groups aren't falling off as quickly as they had in the past. So, yeah. uh, that means we're doing something right. All right. I'm going to, this is a personal gift from me to you. Um, I'm going to keep you from getting into a lot of trouble right now. Okay. We, we should talk a little bit about your staff. Because if we go through this whole conversation <laughs> and we don't ma- mention Jamie and we don't mention Claudia and we don't mention Beth and we don't mention Pam, um, we might be in a lot of trouble. But you, you got a Cracker Jack staff. Yeah, my staff is great. We're we're not a big staff. We're like I said, for an organization of fourteen thousand uh, uh, players, uh, we have sub associations underneath us. But the five people that I have have been you know amazingly committed to our program and. Uh, um, you know, we work together on the big events like Leadership Day and ESO and, and Subway and all those types of things. And the scheduling is a huge part that, that uh, you know, Beth plays a major role in. And then we've been, you know, in registration, um, you know, from, from Pam leading that part and then Jamie on the hockey development part and all the events and all the, the fun stuff that Claudia gets lead out there at uh, throughout the season. So uh, they're committed, they're passionate and, uh they they're dying to get back to normality as well. You're welcome. That's my gift for because <laughs> you and I both know there would have been a strongly worded email, <laughs> right? Never, never, never. My last one for you, and it's one we're asking everybody. Uh, and I'm not going to give you a lot of parameters. I just want an answer from you. Give me a hidden Calgary gem. Give me a Kevin Kabalka hidden Calgary gem. With regards to hockey, or do I don't want to give you parameters, but I'll say it could be a coffee shop, it could be a restaurant, it could be a park, it could be a place you go, it could be something that happens. I want when this is all said and done, we're going to do all these great conversations, we're going to talk to great people in Calgary, and I want people to go, man, when this is all over, I can't because I heard this, and I want to tr- give me a, a a Kevin Kabalka hidden Calgary gem. Well. I'm actually an Okotoks person, and I'm going to. That's okay. Say, we accept Calgary and Southern I'm gonna, Alberta. I'm going to say I'm going out all Highway 22 to the 
to the Longview Steakhouse. I think that is a a gem. So ah. that's that's the one I'm going to put on the on the table there. I like it. I Longview like it a Steakhouse. lot. <laughs> All right. Um, do you think we said anything that's going to get you into trouble here? Is there going to be any gotcha moments? Oh, something going to come back? Always do, but that's that's right? that's goes with the job description. Gosh darn it. Uh, listen, pal. Always, I've loved our friendship. Um, it, it seems like we've been friends forever. I don't. It's only really been six solid years. But uh, I've always just I love and appreciate the fact that you pick up the phone and we can have conversations. You'll think outside the box, and where you can, you'll get in that box. Uh, good on you, dude. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope that sooner rather than later we're back to normal. But Kev, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the time. And this is great. I really appreciate sharing some ideas and some of the things we've done in Hockey Calgary. Appreciate our conversation with Mr. Belks, uh, Kevin Kabelka from Hockey Calgary. Uh, and I do want to echo, uh, I know we kind of left it to the end there, but great little uh, a group of people in that office, um, Claudia and Beth and Pam and Jamie. Um, I do work with all of them on different projects. Uh, I am somewhat biased. This is n- never, ever trying to present this as anything but unbiased, or but biased, I guess. Um, but they're friends of mine, and I uh, just wanted to, Pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, So there you go. We continue to have conversations. Uh, We're going to drop some more for you here at sportcalgary.ca. It's going to be like this. It's going to be, who else have we had? We've had George Canyon. We've had Trent McClellan, Peter Marr, all kinds of people. We want to tell Calgary sports stories and introduce you to Calgary sports people just to kind of bring the community together a little bit right now. That's why we asked that one question. Give me a little hidden gem, Um, you know, a little uh, Calgary hidden gem. And I loved, I love Belks's. Uh, you know, Kevin's great that way. Um, and I, and I think it's cool. I, I really do. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, great. Please pass it along. Uh, let your friends know about it. Um, maybe I should be telling you that what, what's all the podcast? Oh, if you like it, go and give it five stars. Yeah, I guess so. My important thing for me is making sure Calgarians know it's here. In this time when we're all kind of hunkered down a little bit, let's let's do something that's a little more geared towards the people in Canada's greatest city, shall we? And that's what this podcast is all about. Thanks to our great staff at Sport Calgary, Dave and Becca, who do an amazing job of getting this on the air. Uh, also, the leadership of Katrina LeMay-Done, our first guest. Uh, she's been fantastic. And thanks to you guys. Uh, the, the comments have been great. Uh, looking forward to continuing this and doing more. Um, but anyway, I guess that's it. So I'm just going to remind you, I'm Rob Kerr. I'm a volunteer at Sport Calgary. I hope you're finding a way to kind of do something to keep. This is great for me. It's keeping me occupied. Are you kidding me? Uh, this is a, an original six-feet conversation. For Sport Calgary, right here at Sport Calgary.